Aggression is one of the last dirty words in our culture. You can be crass, you can be rude, you can even be profane, but ho, ho, aggressive, don't be aggressive, except it's wrong, dead wrong. I promise you nothing of meaning and transcendence will come into your life passively. It's time for you to get into the arena to push back against a passive, mediocre existence. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Welcome to The Aggressive Life. My name is Brian Tome, your host to Understanding Life and how the aggressive move in life leads to a better life. Today, we're going to talk about something we've not talked about on previous episodes. We're going to talk a bit about families. We're going to talk about career. We're going to talk about families. And before you before you I hit the stop button, I know a lot of our listeners do not have kids. A lot of our listeners are never going to have kids, perhaps. A lot of our listeners are trying to forget about their kids because they're older in life right now and they brought you a level of pain. But when it comes to family practices, I think it's a fertile topic for all of us. Many of us that we don't have kids right now, you're going to have kids in the future, and you need to start working on your convictions right now over how you're going to have kids. And even if you're never going to have kids, the family is a small microcosm in a preparatory academy for every other team that you will ever be in. You either set yourself up well by performing well inside of a family that enables you to perform well inside of an athletic team or inside of a business team, or you don't set yourself up well. And the truth of the matter is inside our families, we need to be more aggressive. I know this goes entirely against the way we operate today. We're doing everything we can to protect our children. We're putting more helmets on them, more seatbelts on them. We're putting airbags around them. We're helicoptering kids around them. We're putting more more foam on, on furniture and things than I've ever seen before. We don't let our kids go out to play anymore. We don't let them just take their bikes to the neighbor's house. We don't let them go off into the woods, into the woods by themselves for fear that there's a body snatcher out there or a zombie's gonna get them. We don't let them, I mean, all kinds of things. My gosh, when I was a kid, things I did were crazy. Like stealing my dad's tools and building tree houses two, three stories up in the air with no adult supervision and no safety net. And we never fell down and no one ever died. I wonder if I was helicoptered, if I was bubble wrapped, if I would have done some of the things that I've done, if God would have used me to the degree that he used me. I think we need to get back to embracing an ancient form of parenting which was letting kids figure it out. <laughs> figure it out in their own or figure it out when they get a bump on their head. Well, that's one of the things we're going to talk about. We're also going to talk about career and a number of of other things. Today's guest has a quite interesting background. She started a church that met in a bar. Then that church rehabbed a massive old Catholic church. She has uh, had a... a a past in business. She knows quite a bit about aggression. Please welcome Lena Schuller. Lena, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. Very frequently, the way that we are raised influences the money that we make. The way that we are raised influences the jobs that we choose. The way that we are raised influences whether or not we are a contributing part of an employee base or whether or not we are a dysfunctional part of it, right? Well, 
I think that I grew up with a bit of a performance complex. I felt I felt better about myself when I performed well. What sick rap bastard <laughs> parented you to enable you to be that into it? You know, my father was a really aggressive man. Um, and you know a little bit about him because you are him. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. <laughs> this, is, this is my daughter, Lena Schuler, formerly known as Lena Tome. Yes. Uh, we're gonna tell. We're gonna talk some family stories today. I'm gonna talk some Lena stories. Some of her old nicknames when she was three years old. Things that no. she used to do on the trampoline. No. Oh, yeah, I used oh, to flip God. on the trampoline. Oh, oh. I was such a great little gymnast. <laughs> so aggressive on that trampoline. She used to have. Uh, bladder problems when she was bouncing on the trampoline. Listen, everybody pees a little when they jump on the trampoline, all right? Even little kids. I'll never live it down. Uh, Still can do a better backflip than you, though, so uh, it's fine. It's because I can't do one. Yeah, right. One of the many things I can do better than you. Ooh, ow. Do we have to go into counseling right now? Because you mentioned you were raised before with a performance mindset. What's that mean, and, and how, how might I have jacked you up? Or what, is that a good phrase, a bad phrase, performance mindset and things that you got in the family? I think that it, right now, I would say it's not a bad phrase for me. I think we all need a little bit of um, a desire to perform and to do well, to motivate us and, and to... Um, to do what's expected and excel. And for me, I wrapped up lots of my decisions and my view on myself around if something was done well and if I got the affirmation or the accolades for it. And so it looked like me spending a lot more time being stressed out than was necessary because I put too much weight and emphasis on if I excelled in something or if I didn't. Yes, I agree. You d- you have had a great degree of stress in your life. Do you think there's something that I did that made that more possible or more likely? I think that there were certain things that you and mom chose not to do that then I felt the pressure that I had to do myself. And so uh, neither of you have an administrative bone in your body. And so if I wanted to go on a field trip, I had to find the paper, pull it out of my backpack, make sure it got signed on the right day so that I could go on that field trip. You mean you you had to take responsibility? I had to take responsibility as a five-year-old, yeah. So I think that you trained me to take responsibility early on. And so what I realized is when I take responsibility and I do it, my life is better. And so I put lots of pressure on myself to perform. But I do think a lot of that was because if I didn't do it, you weren't going to do it for me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Some of that, some of that is due to not having great administrative tasks. Some of that is due to intentional decisions. We didn't do that with any of our kids. Yeah. You want to go on the field trip. That's your responsibility. It's your life, your responsibility. You got to learn that early. And I don't think that any other parent in my kindergarten class said that. Yeah. That's why they're all freaking losers except for you. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Not all of them. You're, no, you're, we're very proud of how you guys have turned out. But let's talk about that for a little bit. Parenting decisions. Thanks. Parenting decisions. There were a lot of decisions we made that were against the grain mm-hmm. that led to you, your your brother and your sister turning out incredibly well. I, I could have all of them on. They'd have the same stories. And maybe we'll have them all at various points. But I thought in this, for the rest of this episode, at least for a good part of it, we would go back 
and look at if you want to be aggressive with your life, if you want to make intentional decisions, your family should look different. How did you see our family looking different than maybe families that didn't have that value? Yeah. Well, I think in the early years when we were in the throes of starting the church, and I say we intentionally because— Jake and I, my my younger brother and I, who were around for that, we just had to fold into the family business. We we weren't with babysitters all of the time, although I now have a child and babysitters are wonderful, so I'm I'm not dogging on you if you hire babysitters. But we just had to come along for the ride, and we had a role. We always had a role in the family. So whether that looked like uh, our toys weren't our own, and they went to the church, whether that meant that Sundays were a work day for all of us. We all were up at 6. We all were there until 2. We we always had a role as little kids in what the family was doing. There wasn't, there wasn't much separation there. I think that was different. As we got older, uh, we definitely had less rules, more freedom in— the safety arena than some of my friends. Oh, like what? Meaning, I don't think I was ever told to wear a helmet. Ever. Uh, I also could walk myself to my friend's house up the street or when we like were a little bit— Like as soon as you could walk. Yeah. Not like when you're 12. No. Oh, you could but walk? But when we were 12, we could, go, we could walk to lunch by ourselves down in Mount Lookout Square at Zips with our friends if we wanted right, to. Like a three-mile walk or something like that into— yeah. Urbania. Yeah, well, sure. <laughs> Not quite Urbania, but definitely a double yellow line road. So, yeah, so lots of that. In high school, similarly, we didn't have a curfew coming home at night. It was expected that we would be respectful of of you. It was expected that we would make wise decisions and that we would be home at a yeah. decent hour. And we didn't abuse that either, which I had lots of friends that had curfews and— abused it. And I mean, they missed their curfew all the time. And we were always home at a reasonable hour without needing to have that rule. That's right. Well, it's interesting. I find a lot of people are strict at the wrong ages. So we were incredibly strict when you guys were younger. Yeah. Had to toe the line, period. Yes. Like no talking back like ever. No. Like crying in public. You don't have to cry in public. You don't have to, you know, like... Just a lot, a lot, a lot of things. And then once obedience gets handled and once respect is there, then you can let them go and and I don't, I don't have to worry about it all the time. Yep. I, I, I always wanted and I, want, I would encourage any of us who are parents this episode to push your kids. Do things that are uncomfortable for your kids. Put them in situations that other people might not put them into. Have a higher standard for what you expect from them than what other people expect from their parents. Hey, I don't know if you've noticed or not, boys and girls. I don't know if you're or not. But the younger generation is not doing all that well. The youngest generation is struggling mightily with depression, struggling mightily with suicide, struggling mightily with acceptance, struggling mightily with sexuality, struggling mightily with just about everything. And part of that are the new ways that we raise kids that aren't necessarily working. Let's try to do some things that are a little bit out of the box. If you want to, if you want to have the kids that everybody else has, then do what everybody else does as a parent. But I think that most of us want something a bit different. And I remember I did stuff with you guys that was <laughs> people ready to. I mean, I, we could talk about it now. 
because child and protective services is not going to come arrest we're me now. We're all over the age of 21. Completely. We're, we're healthy and fine. You are. Yeah. No, no one ever kidnapped you. They're no. always, always concerned. We never got arrested. Yeah. Well, I, Do you remember the time we were at the Reds game? Your first Cincinnati Reds game. I do remember the Reds I'd like game. to hear this story from your perspective. Yeah, so someone had given us great tickets. We were probably... Jake and I are probably four and six or so. How about that? About that. Great tickets. We really wanted, uh, well, we really wanted something to eat. A hot dog maybe. But anyway, so you said, hey, here's a, ten, here's a $10 bill. You can go get yourself a hot dog. We were six, six and four. <laughs> And my mom, oh, mom freaked. Mom was like, <laughs> I don't remember you that. Can't, no, they can't go up there. You can't. And you were like, they're fine. They'll be fine. So we went together and we went up. I had to go on my tiptoes to see over the counter. Yeah, you were out of my view entirely. I had no idea. Uh-huh. I said, just walk back there. You'll find a lot of people stand in line. Yep. So there was stuff like that all the time. We uh, similarly, I remember we'd, on Sunday nights, we'd go to one of two restaurants. We would either go to get wings or Mexican. Those are the only two options. And at the wings place, there was, uh, you know, the little quarter machines where you could get toys or candy. So we always wanted to see what we could get out of the toy machine or get one of those delicious watermelon bubble gum. You would use your quarter for a watermelon bubble gum or go for the handcuffs and the little— Even 20 years ago, you didn't carry quarters with you. So we'd—you'd give us a dollar, and we would have to go up to uh, the hostess and ask for change for a dollar in order to get our quarter to get our uh, toy or candy. And, I mean, that started at probably age four. Yeah. I was always trying to push you guys to learn communication skills. Right. I wanted your youngest sister to go get the menus and ask for the menus. I wanted to force her into adult conversation when other people think, well, no, only an j- adult should do that. No, right. I, want, I, want, I, want to gr- I want to grow my kids up. If adults should do that, then that's what my kids should do because I want my kid to become a healthy, well-rounded adult. Well, and that came up over family dinner a few months ago of uh, my sisters in college and she was talking about how she'll go to restaurants with her friends and she'll get so annoyed because they won't look the waitress in the eye when they tell her what they want to drink. They mumble their words. And those were things that were off limits for us as kids. You all, we always had to look the waitress in the eye. We always had to speak clearly and loudly so they could hear us. Uh, just some basic communication and interpersonal interpersonal skills that started when we were little that, I mean, we, I think we all notice we have friends that don't have those now because that wasn't trained in them uh, and they weren't pushed in that way as kids. That's right. How about when you were 16 and we gave you your temps, you tested out in your first car? Oh my gosh, the temps. So, yeah, so we, I did the driving classes and all the things that legally you have to do. I don't even, we tracked, maybe we tracked hours. I don't know, but we went in take the test. Dad always wanted to come with us to get our to get our temps. Well, always. I was the first one. So we go. That was my job. That was uh, your job. We had, you know, mom and dad had different jobs. So one of my jobs is always take the kids and deal with the with the licensing. Well, licensing any car issue is always your job. Yeah, All right. of the 20 cars we've crashed over the years. <laughs> um, How many of you crashed? Well, uh, one, one, one question at a time. Let's yeah, do this. Okay. So anyways, 
So, you, so I passed the test. You throw me the keys, and I had to drive out of that parking lot on the highway. My first day having temps, I had to drive to my brother's football practice on the highway in a part of town I had never been in. And that was that was the you know that was how it started. And you did that with all of us. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I, I thought that it was an intentional decision that that we grow when we're stretched. So what I wanted to do as a parent was to stretch you. Yeah. And I you did felt that. I did. I, I, I both on both counts. Yeah. I grew you and I stretched you. And I felt like it was a acceptable risk to be right beside you in the passenger seat on your inaugural run. And it would confer to you amazing trust. Like I trust you. I'm um, entrusting my second most expensive possession other than the house in your hands, and I believe you can do that. Yeah. Well, and I had friends that couldn't drive on the highway even when they got their license. <laughs> I remember being like, what? I've been driving on the highway for six months, you know? <laughs> oh, that's yeah, right. Great. But I, I feel like we have just wrapped too much bubble wrap around our kids. The idea of being aggressive in how you parent is quite frankly seen as irresponsible, quite frankly seen as and maybe even illegal. And yet the things that we did with you were things that every parent in the ancient world used to do. Yeah. Well, I don't I think too you weren't just aggressive in giving us responsibility early or trusting us early, but you were really aggressive in what you would share with us, when and how you were aggressive in how you would talk to us, not aggressive. Well, I mean, sometimes you yelled, but aggressive in the fact that you didn't baby thing. You didn't baby us. You didn't change the way you would say something to an adult when you said it to us. You taught us how to um, you mean, Lena, I never talked to you like this? No, and I mean, you used real words when you talked to us. I, I, just, I think you were aggressive. You were an aggressive communicator with us as well. Okay, what did I do aggressively I shouldn't have done? Because sometimes you get it wrong aggressively. So go ahead, air your grievances. Tell me how I messed up. That's okay. I can handle it. I'm bracing for it right now. Give me one way that I was too aggressive. I think that one of the things that you did not do is you did not change much of your aggression from me to Jake to Mariah. And I think that we could have used different levels of aggression at different times. So meaning you were probably the most aggressive with Jake and me and less with Mariah. Um, And even the aggression that you had with Mariah, it I don't think it was always accurately placed because I think you had in your head you should you were an aggr- you were to be aggressive and so you were aggressive at times you probably should have been tender. Mm. I think that's true of all of us and I think that's especially true of You're my saying sister. because she has a by nature more sensitive makeup. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. We have we're all different. We're very different as kids and so in the in the aggression, you treated us all the same, and I think that that could have been done a little differently. Hmm. Now, do we all like you now, and are we all friends with you? Yes. Uh, are we appreciative of that? Yes. And do all three of us have some wounds here and there from feeling pushed a little bit too hard at times? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's fair. But nothing that's damaged our relationship long term. Just, you know, probably some rough patches in our teen years here and there. Well, no matter how I or anybody else would have chosen to parent you, every parent's going to give some bruises, right? Yeah. Intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah. That's good. All right. So... As you look now at being a mother, you are the proud mother of a one-year-old. Yes, I am. With little Louie. Little Louie. Yes. Notice he's named after his other grandfather. Who is actually a loving person. He's very tender and kind. Oh, oh, so if I wasn't aggressive, I could have my grandson named after me. My father-in-law is very aggressive. Let me say that, too. He is... Oh, right no, there. we can't have his cake and eat it, too. He you can. can't say that Lou is aggressive and worthy of having the first grandson named after him. Well, no, not, got, not fair. Not too. good. He is Louis Bryan. Oh, so great. So got I'm a middle in, name. I'm in second shape. He's got a middle name. Oh, yeah. That's what everyone cares about, their middle name. Oh, that that really makes me feel valued. You can hold Way out. to be aggressive. <laughs> Way to aggressively honor the man who gave I'm you life. I'm aggressively giving you truth that you weren't worthy of the first name. Yeah, well, but then you don't were give me any name at all. Give me the first name of the next kid, not the middle name you of the first out, kid. You can hold out for Jake's. You just. I do think though it's worthy to note that when you are aggressive, there's a fine line between. Healthy aggression and bruising the people around you. Well, and it's also important to note that I'm I'm talking specifically about intentional decisions that you make to grow somebody up. My bruising of you all wasn't intentional decisions I made. It was just unformed emotional spots in me. Yeah, that's right. And you know that with my, you know, your grandparents. I mean, I'm a little behind behind the eight ball as far as relational empathy, relational emotional empathy. Yeah. Well, and there wasn't much aggression at all in your upbringing, even now your relationship with them. I don't see any aggression in grandma and grandpa. And so you have swung the pendulum, rightfully so. And I think that has changed the trajectory of the tome line from here on out. And it was a pendulum swing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so you as a you as a mom, so what what kind of things are you choosing to do that may be going against the grain of of the norm? Well, Louis only one, so there's not been lots. All right, but if you and lots of, you and Nick talked and said, okay, we're going to do this though, and we're going to do this. Some people do it this way, but we're going to do it that way. Yeah, well, I mean, one thing is he just started walking, and I don't freak out when he falls down. He falls down a lot. He's consistently got. A bruise on his head from bonking his head. But you do have every single corner, every single handle oh, with foam I on it, right? I do every... not. I have the fireplace hearth has foam around it. That is it. I meant no to this. Other thing this was meant to compliment you. That was meaning to compliment you. It is true. There's a stone fireplace hearth that is just perfect to take out an eye, and perfect. it's very sharp. And there's a bunch of other things that could jack you up too. But no, you don't have foam on a lot of those other things. You got them on one thing. Now, yes, and I I do care about the safety of my child. Let me I go into some that. homes. It's like you just went to the local high school and got a wrestling mat and rolled it out over the entire place. Yes, and that's not what our home looks like. But yeah, I let him fumble around, and he wipes out quite a bit, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I do every night pray that God would protect his little brain as he hits his head so many times a day. Uh, And I'm trusting that his brain will be fine because he needs to learn how to walk and run and he needs to feel pain and 
build up his tolerance and have tough skin because there's going to be a lot harder falls and bruises physically and emotionally down the road. I, I, I think that we're so afraid of pain and so willing to shield our kids from pain that we may be doing them a disservice. I mean, what did what did parents do in the 50s before there was such a thing as adhesive foam to put on your coffee table? Like, what did you, I don't know what you did. I know I got my scar above my, above my right eye that shows what happened when I went over to the Summer's house. Um, what happened when you went over to the Summer's house? I was just running to get some, get some lemonade and I tripped and jammed my head in the corner of the coffee table and had to be leaving screaming and crying and all that kind of stuff. Now, I like that we're not screaming and crying. I like the idea of not having stitches. So I, I don't think we should be intentionally putting barbed wire around the house to hurt our kids. And I think that we should intentionally be sticking foam in places where there could be a problem. I just think we need to ask ourselves, am I really looking out for my child in this area? And am I willing to have an acceptable risk? Parenting is about having an acceptable risk for the future development of that child. Right. That's a critical piece. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't don't think that we're up for having any risks as parents. I don't, I don't think that. And I think that the self-esteem that we see within our younger generation is that way. I do. I think we have massive crisis in self-esteem. I think we have massive resiliency issues when kids get to college because, because they never were allowed to fail when they were younger. There's parents who still try to interfere with young staff members' career path here at Crossroads. Yeah. Because Crossroads is my day job church. Because you never learned to allow your child to fail. You weren't able to be aggressive enough to make a move that would help your kid grow up. We spend so much time helicoptering kids, wrapping shrink wrap, bubble wrap around them, putting helmets on top of them, second-guessing their grades, double-checking their homework, let your kid live his life. Maybe he or she will grow and be something. Yeah, well, and I think that, you know, that plays out in a couple ways and has played out for a couple ways in our family. One of the mottos around our family was make aggressive mistakes. If you're going to make a mistake, it should be aggressive, not passive. So we joked, I I probably have crashed about six cars. My sister's (laughs) right up there with me. And... You know, I think we were always afraid to call dad when, you know, we got into a fender bender or when something went wrong with the cars because we were afraid that he was going to, you know, you were going to freak out and yell at us or whatever. And every single time we were pleasantly surprised at the lack of emotion and response to messing up with the car because it wasn't a, uh, first of all, it wasn't intentional. It wasn't an intentional I'm I'm trying to do this on purpose to hurt you or hurt the family. Or, and uh, most of the time, it was aggressive. We were we were driving ourselves somewhere. We were trying to get somewhere on our own. We were, you know, trying to make the right moves. And so we didn't get in trouble for aggressive mistakes. And um, I think that was really helpful for us. The other thing that that just made me think of too was part of you know giving your kids freedom to fail and giving them space to get hurt now so that it doesn't hurt as bad later is something that was really common in our house. And I think one of the ways you were aggressive was in teaching us how to process our emotions out Mm. loud. We were not, we couldn't storm out of a room angry. 
We couldn't leave a room crying. We had to stop, breathe, and we had to talk through it in the moment, and we had to resolve our conflict. We weren't allowed to just sweep the conflict under the rug or let our emotions build up and never talk about them. And so as a result, I think that served us well as adults to be able to handle hardship, to know how to talk through it, know how to process through it. And I think that's something that's missing today, too, is parents aren't aggressive in making their kids talk through and process their emotions the way you did with us. Yeah, I remember that. You were probably, oh, I don't know how old you are. You were a youngster. And that week you had done it two, three times. I saw a pattern. Stormed out of the room. Stormed out of the yeah. room. You would make this phrase, and you put your hands down at your side. You throw your hands down to your waist, go, and you turn around and you, and you storm out of the room. And first time, it's like, wow, where'd that come from? Jeez, you know. Second time, I'm not sure I like that. Third time you did that, I said, eh, eh, stop, stop. Come back in here right now. And said, you, you, you don't get to storm out of the room when you have your, you have your, you want to stay in the room and cry? You can stay in the room and cry, but you can't go up in your room and cry. You can stay here and cry. And once you're done crying or you want to talk through the tears about what's going on, that's fine. But we don't, we don't just storm out of the room and allow our emotions to win. Yeah. Yeah. And I think- that's, I think that served me well in my marriage and my relationship with family members today. Um, and I think that was an aggressive move that was helpful in my formation. All right. So let's, uh, we're coming down the close here. Let's do a, let's do a little, little quiz. I'm going to quiz you in a couple of things. You can quiz me on a couple of things if you want, but uh, here, here's just some things. Here we go. Are ready? Uh, I want real, real, real quick things. Are you ready? Okay. Here yeah. we go. All right. You're ready. Yeah. This is the lightning round. All right. Television show everybody should binge watch. Friday Night Lights. Good. All right. Good. You agree? Uh, uh, yes, yes. That's number one. Yeah. Totally, totally. Four times nine. Uh, 36. <laughs> very good. Oh. Very, very good. Um, Thank you, Mrs. What Elfie. advice? What advice would you wish that someone gave you at age eighteen? I wish that someone had told me at eighteen that college was not about your grades and how well you did in a certain class, but that it was forming. It was going to be forming habits and work ethic that would apply for the rest of my life. All right. If you were to give advice. To somebody who is making a key career decision, what would that advice be? That advice would be that I would go to three sources. I would spend time alone. And if you're the praying type, I'd pray and see if you get any thoughts in your head that seem out of the ordinary, that aren't something you'd think on your own, that might be God talking to you. I then would run that past some friends that you trust, some family that you trust, go to community. And then if you are um, someone who reads the Bible, I would open up your Bible and see if uh, what God's saying matches what was in your head and what the people you trust are saying. Those are three great sources to go to when you're trying to make a career decision. And if they're all out of whack or there's not alignment there, I would be careful to make a move. All right, good, good. You pass. Go ahead. You, give, you can give me four now. Oh, Any four, and then we're done. You cheated. You had a list in front of you. Oh, oh okay. look at that. The producer just now came over list. and gave her a list, and you can choose to accept or deny those if you'd like, because I, I changed some of them. Okay. There you go. What Here do you we got? go. Here we go. How do you make judgment about whether a risk is worth taking? 
I ask myself what the payoff could be. So if there's no payoff, then don't take the risk. Driving your car without a seatbelt doesn't affect my ride at all, right? Whether I have a seatbelt on, whether I don't have a seatbelt on, it's not going to affect the ride. So always, always a seatbelt. And I think that's the key thing we have to identify is what is the potential upside? And if there's no potential upside, then the risk probably isn't worth it. What aggressive decision are you most proud of? Leaving Pittsburgh to go to Cincinnati in 1995 to start a church with 11 people I didn't know who they were and to try to start a church that became Crossroads. How do you know that that was the right career decision to make? It was the only decision I had to make. (laughs) I knew that I had to do something that would grow me and push me in my vocation, my skill set. And with all of the uh, resumes I sent out and all of the questionnaires I answered, all the network I did, at the end of the day, the only place that would have me were 11 people who placed an ad in the back of a magazine. So that was it. I went to Cincinnati. It was a very, very aggressive move. Left our lifetime family, left left our lifetime friends. Um, or we've been for entire lives to go to Cincinnati and that was an aggressive move and so glad we did it. I was, I learned I was, I was literally scared poopless. That's not the actual word. You're constipated? Yes, I was. Mm. I had literal cold feet when that, when that offer came in because it was a very daunting task, but loaded up the U-Haul and made it. Yep. Well, and sometimes the aggressive decision is just to do the thing that's in front of you instead of standing right where you are. That's right. Yeah. The We talked about cars today. Here's another car illustration for us. The easiest car to steer is the one that's moving. We think that, you know, think about that. Sit in a car sometime and just try to turn the steering wheel, especially back in the days before you had power steering. Turning the steering wheel when the vehicle is not moving is very, very difficult. And so if your life is not moving, you're not going to be able to steer your life. You've got to get moving. Start getting some momentum. Start doing something in your career, and you can steer one way or the other way. But but sitting on your couch or sitting on your knees waiting for a flowery engraved invitation from God to make it clear, that's likely not going to work. All right, one more. Yes. Parents who are listening, if they could make one aggressive move— as a parent right now, what would it be? It is entirely dependent on the age of the child. So if it is the younger child, the most important thing you do is teach that kid obedience. People say, oh, no, I don't want to break their spirit. Yes, you do. You want, first of all, you can't break their spirit. You cannot break a four-year-old spirit. It's not going to happen. And secondly, you won't break their spirit if you just hold them to high standards. So if you can get your kids to love you and obey you, which is what God wants, he wants us to love him and he wants us to obey him. He expects both things. And if we can do that with our children, everything else will be easy. All right. Nine times eight. (laughs) 72. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That is you right. didn't yeah. even know. You're I asking did. I didn't, you I didn't, didn't know. think of the answer for you. Oh, oh my gosh. All right. Well, all right. That concludes this episode of The Aggressive Life. After you tell, tell us where we could follow you, if we ever wanted to follow you or follow up with you, where, where, where could people become more aware of Lena Schuler and whatever she's got going on in her life? Yes. Well, you can follow me on Instagram at Lena Schuler. 
L-E-N-A-S-C-H-U-L-E-R. The work I'm doing right now is all with Crossroads Anywhere. And so if you want to join us online for a Crossroads experience, uh, I would love to hear what you think and uh, get to know you a little bit if you choose to go that route. All right, boys and girls, thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Aggressive Life. Hey, thanks for listening. If this episode has impacted you, hey, share with somebody else. All of us have influence. People that can look to us for direction, use your influence positively, aggressively. And if this has meant something to you, then pass along to those that you're leading. Uh, You can see more at bryantome.com or search me on Instagram. Special thanks to the band Judges for our music. You can find more from them on Instagram at The Band Judges or at Facebook.com slash The Band Judges. The Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm.